Is that enough blocks? Yeah, that's plenty of blocks. Okay, great. I got yeah. more if you need them. No, no, no. You got real problems. Hey, everyone. It's me, Neil Brennan. It's this, the Blocks Podcast. My guest today I've known for an easy 15. Maybe a ho- easy 15. I was going to say hard 20, but easy 15. I heard about his pilot for Adult Swim. called the eric andre show and somebody said specifically you might not like it <laughs> then i watched it and it was one of my favorite shows of all time of course that's the eric andre show thank you and he's uh got like spin-offs like the, you were in the jackass movie <laughs> the eric andre movie he's got a netflix special he opened for Chris Rock for a while, had a bad set in New Orleans, I remember he <laughs> called me about. And he's did here I call now. you about yeah, it? Yeah, you did. <laughs> it, was, it still haunts me. <laughs> I still talk about it. Eric Andre, ladies Thank and you. gentlemen. I'm fixing Eric. the tongue of my shoe. Eric Andre, and he he went to Eric Andre wardrobe before he got here. If you're <laughs> if you're not if you're listening to this, he's wearing a tie-dye shirt with New York robbery yep. written on it in the style of New York lottery. May have gotten it on Broadway between 9th and 10th in New York store. Uh, Somebody I, handed this to me as I was walking perfect. the streets. Um, and he's wearing freak. shorts <laughs> with serial killers, uh, police sketches on it. <laughs> and if I saw it in the store, I would go, those are Eric Andre shorts. <laughs> and somebody gave it to him. And he's he made a decision to wear Reeboks 15 years ago. And you've never not. He'll <laughs> <laughs> wear a Reebok pump. Right now he's wearing like the guy who works at the gym. There's the Reebok Velcros, like that 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 bodybuilders wear, yep. and with puffy socks. Yeah, and you go the other way. You're these are great. You're wearing the nurse. You're wearing like Reebok. I don't know, nurse. I don't know the the trainer at the gym with the puffy socks. No, 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 it's not the trainer. It's the bodybuilders. You know those dudes like to, they dress like yeah. Tony Little. Still remember yeah. Tony Little? <laughs> yeah, yeah. They um, got Velcro Reeboks. Yeah, they still. It's an incredibly specific detail to I, to to know and take in. That's why you're a comedian. That's why. That's why I moved out here. Eric Andre. Hey. Now I know you're not known for having neuroses necessarily personally you are but your brand is more chaos and sort of recklessness right whenever i see someone doing that i just think what's they what are they escaping (laughs) (laughs) what is their problem i don't like pathologizing everything yeah I wish I felt the same way. I yeah, I don't think that every comedian or artist or musician, every single creative choice comes from pain or some mental health I agree. issue. I'm not saying that it doesn't come from that sometimes with me, but I think like there's too much of like, oh, you're avoiding, you're yeah, escaping. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like yeah. it's not nothing's a hundred percent. There's yes. no absolutes in nature. Yes. Not everything is like that black or white. Yep. You know, I think the that sad some clown of it is, and the yeah, the dark that? poet and the sad clown and all that. Shit. It's yeah, like, yeah or you're just like I know people that are just funny. Yeah. Like and they I mean, Mulaney was always the example, turns out he had some stuff going on. But he had a great joke where he's like, So many people are depressed and not funny at all. Mm-hmm. <laughs> no. So why are we making it like oh oh it's the depression yeah, that makes it's, it's them like, funny? We're, no, we're just it's we're all everything, right? Right. Um, so yes, I think that I am anxious. I have ADD and I have obsessive compulsive thoughts to 
He's this guy. This guy's open and strong. We're going to take him one at a time. Okay. Here we go. Sure. Anxiety. Sure. Um, do you blame your Jewish side for the anxiety? Of course. Got to. Got you to. I mean, the black stuff. side ain't not anxious. <laughs> My dad escaped Haiti with 20 bucks in his pocket. He like left him the dictatorship. So he had a, Was a that bit of anxiety. Baby Doc? Or uh yeah, he, he lived through doc. Papa, doc, Papa and, doc and he escaped during Baby Doc. Fantastic. Yeah. <laughs> so he was he didn't have a for, perfect. For as health. awful as they were, pretty adorable nicknames. Very adorable nicknames. You got to say cute. what you want about the docs. Yeah. Say um, <laughs> um, okay. So you probably parsed as an adult. You said when, before we started rolling, um, that you've tried every possible treatment and you told me, can we talk about where you're going on Monday? Yeah. I'm going to, for the first time to do ayahuasca in Peru. Peru. What made you start doing like where you, so you'd be anxious and you'd be like, I don't like this. And I, I, when did you start realizing like, oh, I don't think I'm like other people? Probably forever, but I, I, I think I started therapy around when I was 25, I think. Yeah. And I started meditating. I started meditation when I was 25, 26. And did you stick with it? Yeah, I do it twice a day every day for the past. TM? Yeah. Great. What's your mantra? I'm kidding. <laughs> what made you start? You just didn't like your in-your-body experience? Uh, I was getting... Anxiety attacks and panic attacks. I would have panic attacks about nothing. I would have anxiety attacks like in meetings and auditions and stuff like that. And there is some stuff that's like natural performance anxiety, sure. you, know, you know, stage fright, which is like normal. But um, it it doesn't. It just didn't feel normal. I just wanted like more agency over my mind. Did it like start helping immediately? Immediately, meditation started helping immediately. Um, immediately and, and, I, and I'm not perfect I don't claim to be but it definitely it, it definitely like it's it's just part of my body what, now and it's, it's part of my routine yeah. it's, like a, it's like a hunger it's like a, oh it's lunchtime. you know it's like time for the second meditation great do you feel your thoughts changing before you're like alright I gotta sit meaning does it like does the morning sit start to wear off and then yeah usually in that like post lunch lull I'll do my second meditation where a European person would take a three-hour siesta, I do my second twenty-minute. I don't know why you have to bring the Europeans into it <laughs> in a negative way, and I don't think you mean that European. wasn't in a negative way. I'm like they got it oh, made. Yeah, they, yeah, I wish right. I had a three-hour. I wish we could do. You're right. You know, you're not French wrong. hours on set and something. Um, okay, so that slowly got better. The the anxiety and you did you stop having like attacks in high pressure situations? I stopped having like full white out disassociative like full-blown panic attacks. what would you do when you had them when before you started meditating? i would be completely out of body and i would flop sweat and could you see it? were you looking at yourself or you were just like it wasn't you couldn't operate i would sometimes operate sometimes i would the very first stand-up set i did on television was live at gotham and i was like completely out of body for the first joke i made the mistake of like inviting a bunch of high school friends to the taping and they yep. sat them all front row which yep. is like total amateur hour i remember looking at the tape and being like well oh, it was totally fine i couldn't i couldn't tell at all really i couldn't tell at all yeah but that is funny where you went because i had some panic attacks on stage and and then i would listen back and it wasn't that bad yeah. but it's so it would ruin even if you get through the first joke you're upset the whole time yeah because you're like why did that happen yeah because you don't know you yeah. have no idea yeah i started taking beta blockers 
on stage. Yeah, I, the beta blockers, I tried a little bit and they made me feel a little bit strange, but uh, uh, it's better than having a panic attack. Yeah. It's better than having a Yeah, and I, they don't make me feel strange. Yeah. Um, they just make me crush. <laughs> have you seen my comedy? Um, I haven't. You're very, very good at it. Uh, okay, so you you had anxiety on stage, and you would have them in life. Like, do you? Yeah, I would have them in life. <clears throat> I've been having pretty bad anxiety lately. I think just from I was doing pretty good, like everybody. This sounds hack. I was doing pretty damn good until I want to say pretty damn good, but I was doing pretty good until quarantine. Quarantine mm-hmm. didn't help. A lot of drinking in quarantine, and my dad got cancer in quarantine, and then he died in December. But uh, so that was that's been tough. And um, you just from like an idle mind, you were sitting there and you were like, I yeah, it was just the end of the world. I mean, like it was during the George Floyd stuff, and Trump was turning the country into a military state. I was stuck in my house for two years and just like couldn't do stand up and couldn't shoot, and uh, you know, yeah. I, you know, I loved it. <laughs> Did you really? Part, there were parts of it I absolutely. <clears throat> there was loved. parts of it that I that were kind of like an amazing reset on society. Yeah, and you got to like read the book you've been meaning to read, and like whatever, take the cook more, and there there were there were the art of the deal. There that was the that was the book I was trying to read. <laughs> art of the deal, mind calm, and then I would cook my and I would cook my Trump steaks. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, I'm with you, but you 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 quickly realized that. Like, ah, this is not working for me. I mean, I'm still realizing it. I don't know. It was, uh, I wasn't making the healthiest choices. I probably wasn't exercising as much, but like, uh, life is in chapters and waves and cycles and stuff like that. So have you figured yours out or you only see them in retrospect? I think you're constantly figuring them out. Maybe I think you're constantly figuring them out. It is like I told Taylor Townsend, it's like, you just go like, all right, here's my new idea for how to do it. Yeah. And you just go, it's like a, it's like we all have these like fucking hoopty cars and we're like, I put tape under the chassis uh-huh. and I'm wrapping it around uh-huh. and then I'm going to run it off uh, peanut oil uh-huh. and, and you just go like, I'm going to meditate and then I'm going to exercise more uh-huh. and then I'm, but I'm not going to shoot and I'm going to live here. Yeah. And you just go like, I don't maybe, and if it works for a year, fucking great. Yeah. Great. Yeah. And I also have to, when you, when you're going through anxiety or, or depression, you feel like you're all alone and you're the only one on earth experiencing it. Yeah. But my therapist says, like, amoebas have anxiety. Every living creature experiences anxiety in some shape or form. It's the amount and how often you're uh, um, facing it that makes it, you know, potentially crossing over into Small anxiety world. disorder. But, like, it, every, like, I used to feel all alone. For many years, I, f- I felt all alone in my anxiety, but uh, the the world shares my pain not more everybody than not yeah more than that. they say 10 percent, but it's like it's more than 10 percent <laughs> what it's gonna be 90 percent. well when you start talking about to, to yes. other people like have you ever had a panic attack like fuck yeah have you yeah, had anxiety attack right yeah my anxiety's through the roof if you had depressive spells yeah like when you yeah. start talking to people about it you're like oh i'm not i'm not uh, alone and also my therapist will be like you do pranks where people are pulling knives out on you and chasing you with your dick and balls out in the <laughs> middle of the street like yeah. that's anxiety provoking it's okay to feel you're a bitch anxious. if you feel anxiety <laughs> <laughs> you, I that's you my therapist said you're a fucking bitch you're if you bitch. feel <laughs> and do you want this or not 
Do you want to have? Do you want to get picked up for a fifth season Can or you not? Imagine the worst therapist. Um, no, he's well. They they're right. Ooh, yeah. they, that's like you're you are set. I mean, that might be a thing. Not to pathologize it, pathologize it, but like you are controlling it, so to speak. You know when it's going to come. Yeah, probably. Yeah. When you're doing, when you're like writing a stunt, do you expect? Is there like a psycho plan? Like, all right, if the psycho comes, then I have to all the time. Like well, that's probably step one or near step one. No, it's always creative first. It's always like what's cracking us up in the writer's room the yeah. most. And I'm not thinking about the danger the most because it, it, it's not, oh, it's dangerous, so therefore it's funny. It's like sometimes the most simple G-rated stuff is the funniest yeah. stuff. So so it's not about the danger of it, but some pranks have a certain level of danger. Um, and... Uh, yeah, I mean, back in the day, we didn't have security. We didn't, like, we did everything real gorilla. So, like, we had, like, different code words. It would be like, all right, if I say red banana, that means the cops are coming. If I say oh, one fish, two fish, red fish, blue fish, that means I'm, like, about to get beat up. We yeah. had all these different code, and we never used any of them. My anxiety would, like, surge because somebody had me by, like, And you take the hours collar. to memorize them? Like, <laughs> 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 I have flashcards. <laughs> so you would build in anxiety. And I mean, I, do you? I weirdly feel like oddly comfortable with them, but it took me a decade. It's a very like Malcolm Gladwell thing. Well, it is immersion therapy. You're like yeah. putting yourself in incredibly stressful situations. Yeah. Has it gotten you less generally stressed off camera? No, I have weird anxiety is a fiction and it doesn't. It's a distraction and it doesn't. It's not logic. It's illogical. So I'll have, I'll be doing pranks where a guy's about to like take out a, you know, bash a bottle over my head in an open carry state in rural Georgia. And I'm just like thinking about like, am I blocking a camera right now? The guy's about, yeah. about to murder me. And I'm like, I'm like, I'm like, all right, the GoPros are there. Uh -huh. the, the hides are uh -huh. there. No, no. I'm Oh, uh, uh, yeah, yeah. What's that? No. Oh, I was just joking. You know, and I'll be totally comfortable in that situation. But then I'll go home at night and i'll hear a little creak when i'm like half asleep in bed i'll be like a burglar's coming into my house there's monsters under my bed <laughs> oh geez and then i'll be up for like three hours have you considered putting gopros everywhere in your, <laughs> in violent, everywhere in your house in a violent murderous georgian yeah <laughs> like and just like to get a good night's sleep like you that way you can focus wear the maybe wear the bird up costume <laughs> That guy wore rollerblades, right? I never wore rollerblades while I was in that costume, but I, I, I have worn rollerblades yeah. when I have uh, the Sprite dad. It's like a sad sack single dad trying to get a Sprite sponsorship. I'm Sprite tough. And he has like rollerblades and he's trying to do extreme sports, but he has like compound fractures yes. sticking and out of his And they leg. would be part, it would kind of be part of Bird Up or ed next to it? No, it would be separate for Bird Up, but like it's just like hyperactive editing and segments. So yeah. It, it, it feels uh, that's why people thought I wouldn't like it. Um, but I have a green outfit in both. There you go. I have a green outfit See? in both. See, told you. Yes. Yeah. Um, you don't understand your show. <laughs> um, okay. So and you're here to confront me. Yeah. And it, I've I've had it up to here, and you're a pussy. Uh, and you don't sound get, just like my therapist. You don't get what you're doing. Um, okay. So you talked about drinking, and I always. Whenever people have like what they think they might drink to excess, 
it's almost always anxiety because I have no desire to Wait, drink. What do you mean? Meaning anyone who's like, hey, you drink or like is like drink. You talk about drinking too much during COVID or in general, every person I know who who has alcohol issues or they think they do, they all have anxiety. Uh-huh generalized uh-huh. so it is a bit of like self-medicating yeah even though like i think self-medicating is like overused but but i think in that case it is just like a sedative well a therapist told me there's little difference between alcohol and xanax and benzodiazepines mm-hmm. the way they work they they pummel your gaba receptors so that you experience less anxiety in the moment but there's a boomerang effect and your anxiety shoots back like a geyser tenfold and- do they know when it's just like it will yeah, they know when because there's different, I think, the ter- half-lives yeah. for each benzo and alcohol. So Xanax has a half-life and, and Ativan and, and, and Clonopin. But alcohol is basically a primitive Xanax. It's a primitive liquid Xanax, but it's very caustic because it's ethanol. So ethanol, your liver converts ethanol into this toxin called acetaldehyde, which is a carcinogenic toxin. So... um I never really drank that much until quarantine and my quarantine hobby was making cocktails and it's like, I'm not drinking right now because I'm prepping for ayahuasca, but um, I never drank. I've never drank it every day in my life. I've never like drinking in the morning or anything like that, but there were times in quarantine when it was like that. I was like, Oh shit. And it was fun, but it's not sustainable. And yeah. I just wish there was a drug that reduced your anxiety in a social setting that wasn't as bad for you as benzodiazepines and alcohol. But there really isn't, except for nitrous oxide. Nitrous oxide is okay. Right, but that doesn't really reduce your anxiety. For me, it does a little but bit. But what do you just have a balloon? Everybody else has a, has a glass, and you just give a giant fucking... Yeah. You like hookah? Yeah, yeah kind of. <laughs> <laughs> kind of, yeah. Great. I didn't even know you could do that. Yeah. Oh, you know what? I did laugh. I have a dentist that gives me laughing gas. It's fucking great. And it is pretty great. I don't I don't feel much need to talk when I'm on it, but I could. Yeah. I start to feel like a little disconnected from my, my uh, experience when I'm on wh- Whippet, so to speak. Yeah. I think whippets and mushrooms are probably the only two things that reduce my anxiety that I don't feel are totally bad for me. Well, have you microdosed? Mushrooms, yeah. Yeah. And macrodosed. Hello. Hello. Uh, do you, and how? what happened with microdosing? It's great. <laughs> okay, <laughs> I, feel, so, I feel great. <laughs> have you just, you've done it consistently? No. Why not? I don't know. You, you it's should hard try to do it. Well, I've done it. The thing about I've microdose- done it before work. And I felt a little like groggy on the back half of the day. That's what happens to me. I felt like a little bit like, oh, uh, it was great in the morning, but yep. in the back half of the day, it was a little bit. I was a little like, like I have not exact, feeling like going back to work. I have the that. exact same experience yeah. where I'm like, when I when I have to do spots, I'm like, I'm like, I can't really remember my ex. Yeah, and it's just like so there's microdose acid. But the last time I did acid, it was it kicked my fucking ass. It wasn't a microdose. Last time I did acid, I was like, I think I'm done with acid. Like, it's, I don't need to do this anymore? Yeah, I think I've aged out of acid. It's fucking strong. It takes so long to finish. This isn't microdosing, though. I have really tried microdosing acid, but it just felt gross in my body in a way that mushrooms don't. Mushrooms, my stomach goes like, like right when they're kicking in, and I'm like, ah, shit, and then and then I'm totally fine. There's just yeah. like a little, like, there's a little stomach shimmy, and, and then and then I'm and then I'm fine. LSD is is too. It feels too acidic. 
to me. <laughs> like the experience is I said LSD is like mushrooms on acid. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like it's but it's got like a techno spirit. Yeah, yeah. It feels chemical in a way that yeah, mushrooms doesn't. Like I don't know what it was like in the fifties before yeah. techno. Yeah. Like, but it's fucking it's too intense. It's it, intense. It seems kind of useless to me. Like yeah. I can't take anything from it. Yeah. I'm just like, Argh. yeah. It's a it's a it's the teeth grinder. Yeah, and it just doesn't end. You're like, all right, I'm. It's time to go to. It's seven a.m. Yeah, it's time to go to bed. No, it's not. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um. Okay. And do you feel like you are? Are you trending in the right direction? Because you said when we started, you were you were like you've done everything. Oh, I, I think I've never really tried SSRIs. I tried Lexapro for like five seconds, and when it kicked in, it felt like bad acid or like like weird like ketamine. But my friend was like, "SSRIs take a second. You gotta like sit through those weird side effects. There's as a kind of like threshold period if you're really gonna try them." And I have people that swear by them. They saved my life. I love them. I have people that was like took me a while to find the right one. I have people that are like, "I hate them." I I, I felt more depressed. So to each their own. Like I've never really experimented with any of them. I don't know why. I don't know why I would have an ego about it, but I guess I do, because I, I, I can't figure out any other reason why I've been like, not after ayahuasca. You okay. yeah, <laughs> but I got my ayahuasca trip coming up. I'm gonna yep. try that and then see if uh, on the backside of that I even need to. I will say just basic stuff that you always forget and and. Men are kind of dumb, and I'm single. I really need a girlfriend. A, a single man is a dumb fucking caveman. You really need somebody. You need a partner in life to go, you're doing the thing again. You're being dumb. And then you go, oh, yeah, I'm doing the fucking thing again. Really, like, and this is all to say that when I drink too much and I exercise too little, I feel anxious and depressed. When I drink less and exercise more, I feel less anxious. Well, you depressed. exercise today. I exercised today. Outside, apparently, came in with bark in his hair. Yeah. And uh, he said... I would say bark. I would say flower. Okay. Flower. Sorry. <laughs> Sorry. Let's not... Look. Get it twisted. I'm not, I'm not that poor. Um, and you... Bark it, is the poor man's flower. Yeah, it's a poor man's flower. Um, There's a class issue. You can't get near a garden. Uh, not in that outfit. <laughs> Um, okay, so you are it. You just go up and down. It's like you were saying chapters where you're on top of it. You're doing your shit, being healthy, and then and then you're just like you just kind of get slack. Yeah, well, I think moving. I moved to New York two days after my dad died, and it was cold and dark. And my community that was his last wish for you. <laughs> Please <laughs> move to New York by the power of baby duck. Um, you know, I'd always say that by the power of <laughs> so I mean, like, that's why I don't like pathologizing everything. Like, that's a reason to be depressed. Were you planning on moving? I was trying to move back to New York forever. Yeah. Forever. And I was like, if I don't fucking do it now, I'll never do it. And I wanted to do Eric Andre's show in New York. We do the street pranks in New York, but I wanted the whole show to be based in New York. And my original showrunner talked me out of it. And I always resented that I got talked out of it. We always shot it in LA. And probably it was for the best, whatever. No sour grapes. But I kept wanting to move back to New York, wanting to move back to New York. I just felt more creatively fulfilled in New York, closer to my family, you know, and, uh, I just liked that it wasn't a one industry town and it had just all walks of life. I just love New York. I like LA, but I love New York. And you grew and up I, there? No, I grew up in Florida. In right. Boca Raton, Florida. Florida. Yeah. Boca Raton. So uh, 
it's it's in it's in uh, it's near Yonkers. <laughs> it's the Yonkers of Miami. Um, there were circumstances that caused me to but was it have, a, like, have a bit of a crazy winter. You know, right, I, I'm saying you, like not your, everything is just neurochemical makeup. No, I get some, it. So you always wanted to. Then your father dies, and do you go? I'm. That's it. Or is it like a month before you get you find a place and you you're like slowly planning? Or was it like a spur of the moment? No, well, it was not spur. It was like I was trying to do it for like a decade. Yeah, and then I was kept looking at apartments online and getting sucked back in, to getting jobs out here and getting sucked back into L.A. It was like L.A. was like the Bermuda Triangle. Like I couldn't escape. And I still have my house here. Yeah, I'm, I'm trying to be bi-coastal, bi-coastal, bipolar, biracial, bisexual. That's all I want to be. Um, but uh yeah, I'm figuring it out. New York's Dude. very expensive. Yeah. <laughs> it's incredibly expensive. Yeah. There's like like an Uber up the street is 40 bucks. Yeah. Just uh, down the st- a half yeah, a I was mile. Say $32. You're like, what? Half what? a mile. I love flying. You can fly to New York. That'll cost you $80. And then Uber from the airport to your place, that's 110. Yeah, it's insane. So I'm struggling with that. But it it is the funnest city in the world. It's polluted. It's polluted. And the quality of the food isn't as robust as the quality of the food here because a lot of restaurants can afford the farmer's market here. So those are my three strikes against Controversial, Controversial opinion about the food quality. The produce. But... And I'm, I'm probably losing the fucking audience with this. So oh, I'm just going to we... cut it. You ain't losing shit. You can, it you ain't can. in the podcast, my friend. Food sourcing. <laughs> fucking you kill me. You can live this fucking out. Kill me. I apologize fucking to your editor. Apology accepted. I am sorry that you Fuck. had to drain your energy watching Fuck, this you footage. owe me for the hard drive space for that yeah, i know <laughs> i really got on a well when i talk it. to you i feel uh very comfortable great and i feel like i can um use parts of your brain that you don't normally and you're more yeah you, you you've been you're very therapized thank you so because you're so therapized i love talking therapy with sure. you sure and you, no, always, I you always you always give great advice Would you're have sage loved, you're a sage thank you would have loved therapy talk we went into food prep and it was a nightmare i <laughs> um all right so what i want to you brought up you brought you mentioned doing the tv show i'm how did you like having a tv show i found it incredibly stressful yeah in a way that it didn't bring out the best in me and i wonder how you approached it and if you liked it or are happy with your your behavior i think every single project is stressful Yes. I don't, there's no project I've ever done that's like this is no, stress free. Yeah, exactly. Some more stressful than others. Unless you're totally checked out, it's stressful. Yeah, yeah. But even being checked out, then you're like, why am I doing? Why this? am I? Why am I doing this? Why and I is it going to some... suck because I'm checked out? Yeah. It and, and if I feel and like it the is. Fact is, it's gonna. Yeah, yeah, it's gonna. If you don't care about it, if you're not stressed and anxious about it, I think like I always say, pain in writing is pleasure in pre-production. Pain in pre-production is pleasure in production pain in production is pleasure in the editing bay the more stressed you're in and you're getting those fights in prep and and shooting 
the more you're like, I'm so glad I fought for that fucking scene, for that little dumb hand prop, yep. for that fucking one piece of wardrobe, for that earring dangling off that one actor's ear. I'm so glad I fought for every fucking square inch of that shit. Yeah. Because now I'm in the editing bay and I'm happy. I hate the feeling of being in the editing bay and being like, fuck, I compromised. I bit my tongue. I was just fucking exhausted and I didn't have the energy to fight back and push back against and that. All now, the and now I'm watching that- and permanently forever it's going to be this shitty scene that i fucking hate yep and all the people that talked you out of it gone gone or they don't even remember Can't the fight them. yep that's what my producer he says he goes yeah we're in ot we're in overtime and everyone's stressed we got a rap we're in overtime and it goes two months from now no one is going to remember day seven of production when yeah. you went into ot no one's even going to give a fuck everybody's stressing out but no one to, to not even two months, four weeks from now, no one's going to remember that we were stressed this day about this thing. And if they do remember, they're going to laugh about it. So and also you make everybody sign an NDA so no one can say shit. <laughs> yeah, you hear that? <laughs> These people have no rights. <laughs> Best of luck getting the word out. You're I'll see you in court. Tell it to the judge. Your 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 grievances with. But people get very stressed on set because it's like they're sleep deprived. So and it's stressful. But there's the stress leads to and you, euphoria you, if you, you create yeah, a good how project. How did you, uh, the TV show, Euphoria, how did you. The TV show, the television show. Not, yeah, that's not how you, it's all stressed. The television show. Um, <laughs> if, you, if your prep on Eric Andre is good enough, it becomes the TV show Euphoria. <laughs> um, he fought for Eric Andre to be played by Zendaya. I could go on with this metaphor probably yes. too long. Yes, not did long you, enough. Did you, how did you, um, how did you, did it just take you a while to be able to hold your ground, stand your ground, if you will? Stand, well, I am from Florida, the stand your ground <laughs> state. And my producing partner is George Zimmerman. So, so pretty great. You're lucky <laughs> oh, to yeah, get him. Absolutely. Like it takes, it's, it's like, um, you you build your confidence slowly over time with this career, but you you really you get to a point where your back is against the wall in some meetings, and you're like, I have to like scream and fucking be like, we are doing this, yes, uh, or I'm just gonna be miserable. I rather have like the pain and stress of yeah. this one afternoon meeting than the pain and stress of watching it in the movie theaters or whatever forever, and just being like, I sh- I why did I. There's yeah. a very specific scene in Bad Trip that no one wanted to do, and it's one of the best scenes in the movie. It's where Tiffany Haddish is <clears> – <throat> she's hiding on a prison bus in the undercarriage of the bus. Excuse me? This guy that we're pranking, real guy, real pedestrian, is like cleaning graffiti on the side of the road. Can you help me get out? And she pops out from under the prison bus Oh man! in a prison jumpsuit, and she's like, dude, can you hide me? Can you hide me? And the guy's like, oh, fuck. Oh, shit. Uh, go that way. Go that way. And then the 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 the, the prison bus driver comes off, and she, he's like, did you see anybody? No. Like, won't snitch for her at first, and then he's just like, go that way. Go that way. And that scene was one of the biggest laughs in the movie, and I had to fight tooth and nail. We tried it a different way where we found this old prison, and we hid Tiffany in the ground. Poor Tiffany. We had to hide her in the ground, and she, like, popped up in front of a bunch of people touring a prison. It was, like, real hinky. And then she came up, and people just thought knew it was a bit, and they all started yeah. laughing. We had, like, a little piece of people sho- initially shocked, but the reaction was not good. The, yeah. people, the marks weren't on the hook. And people were, everyone at the studio, everyone, my producing partner is like, that scene's good enough. That scene's good enough. And I was like, that scene isn't good enough. Yeah. We've screened it a bunch of times. It never gets a fucking laugh. It's a huge lull. It's a dud. And John Favreau gave me the best piece of advice. He said, 
being a f- filmmaking is like DJing. He goes, every scene, you got to keep the fucking party jumping. Even if you have three, four great scenes in a row, if you have one lull, if you have one dud song you're DJing, the crowd fucking checks out and it's so much energy to get them back on track. Yeah. And I was just like, I fought tooth and nail for that fucking scene to happen. I, I remember having like a freak out at a meeting and I don't like, I'm non-confrontational. I don't like, like behaving that way at work. And thank God it was like the one of the, and then when we tested the, the screening of the, after the reshoots, that was part of the reshoots that got one of the biggest laughs of the fucking movie. Did anyone like, acknowledge you? Oh, I pat myself on the back. I went Got back to the you. office and I yep. patted myself on the back louder than anyone. Absolutely. I was like, you guys see all this bat back patting <laughs> that I'm fucking doing right now? They're like, all right, all right. And we all had like wins and losses like that. I had scenes where I was like, I don't know if we need to shoot that. And my producing partners were like, no, we're fucking doing that. So we all had wins and losses. And 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 it it, it was like the pressure of that collaboration that, that made that movie a success. So it, I don't look back on that stress like it was bad it's hell when you're going through it's like ayahuasca you know you were going through bad fucking gnarly parts of the trip but you come out you rise up out of the ashes like a phoenix thing for next week just remember you will be better off yeah whatever you're experiencing in that moment you're just like no i this is how it works it's just it's difficult and then but i'll be better for it yeah it's very hard it's very hard it's kind of weirdly harder than hard than you than your understanding of hard mm-hmm. prior but mm-hmm. you're better off because of it. yeah um, there was times in the bufo that were like torturous but it was, it was short it was fleeting but like it was bufo it was almost every emotion i'd it would feel like i was in the center of the universe having ten thousand orgasms but also having like extreme pain but that pain turned into catharsis and i came out of it bawling crying that's bufo alvarius dmt um toad venom it toad the toad as mike tyson called it do you understand the toad done it a hundred times that's, mike tyson. that's wild i did it once and it lasted a year and a half <laughs> and when you said amoebas have anxiety yeah the worst anxiety i've ever had in my life was as an amoeba yeah on dmt really where i was i was an amoeba and i didn't know anything wow i didn't know direction blinking god I didn't know any. I didn't know. I formed the first synapse. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. Damn. You know how I feel about tickets and where to get them. You know what? You could probably read this along with me. You know how you worry about stuff? I worry about stuff. This whole podcast is about worrying about stuff. With Game Time, you can stop worrying about stuff. Game Time is the fast and easy way to buy tickets for all the sports, music, comedy, and theater events near you with killer last-minute deals, all-in prices, views from receipt, and their best price guarantee. Game Time takes the guesswork out of buying tickets. Let's make fun of some stuff. Football, the Chargers, and the Rams, they're playing I recently did a commercial with a bunch of NFL players and I asked them what the most messed up thing they ever heard on the field was. And if you meet me in person, I'll tell you what they were. They were pretty goddamn funny. Pink, ladies and gentlemen, pink does stadiums. I repeat, pink does stadiums. It's a big show. I think there's a trapeze. I feel like there's motorcycles probably. She seems like she's into motor. I know she dated a, or married a motorcycle gentlemen so good for you pink trippy red does arenas he's at the forum tonight trippy red could not tell you a trippy red song uh SZA does arenas SZA charging a hefty fee 
for her arena. It's good for you, SZA. We're all rooting for you, SZA. And thank you for making your name SZA. It's like when people say season, but it's SZN. Pretty cool, SZA. Pretty cool stuff from SZA. This is all Travis Scott back in stadiums. No comment. Game Time is the only ticketing app that gives you complete peace of mind with your purchase. See the view from your seat before you buy so you know exactly what to expect when you arrive. All in prices show your total upfront so you know you're getting a great deal without hidden fees. Buy tickets in seconds with two taps. Just two taps. Tap, tap. Take the guesswork out of buying tickets with Game Time. Download the Game Time app, create an account, and use code BLOCKS for $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply. Again, create an account and redeem code BLOCKS for $20 off your first purchase. Game Time. Last minute tickets. Lowest prices. Guaranteed. Have you gotten better at like remaining calm when the stakes when the when you're up against the wall? Because I I'm not good at remaining calm. I'm never I'm, good I'm, at I'm, it. I'm never good at it. Uh, you know the the mantra in those moments is this too shall pass. You know what I'm going over with my um, MDMA therapist is is um, you can't think your way out of it. You got to feel your way out of it. You just said something. It's a it's wild. Which is your MDMA therapist? Yeah. Tell me about what is that. It's therapy where you do some sessions where you do MDMA. How often? I've talked to him a million times that I've only done the um, MDMA. I did just MDMA once and I did MDMA with psilocybin uh, the second time. Um, and it's incredible. Do you sit? And he's do you speak to him the whole master. time? Um, no. So I, I do talk sessions with him all the time. But why uh, MDMA sessions, he comes over your house, you lie on your couch with a blanket put on a sleep mask he puts on headphones he plays music you take it he talks to you beforehand he's like you want to set any yeah. tensions or whatever and then and then you take it and you um he just kind of babysits you and you you can check in with him if you want to but you kind of just sit there with your thoughts and you cry if you want to cry mm-hmm. and you you go through i mean the last one i was bawling crying scream i was like so there's times where i was like screaming like ah like just letting it all—it was incredibly cathartic, incredible catharsis. That and the 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 toad venom were like the two most cathartic. The toad venom, I like talked to my dad after he died. Like I told him it was okay to pass, and and I'll see you. I'll I'll see you again. again Did soon. he respond? It was like all feeling. It wasn't. I, I wasn't on earth. Yeah, I wasn't on no, earth using er- earthly things. I was speaking thoughts, but it was I wasn't speaking English. So I just knew he was there and I was like, I, it's okay to, to continue on to the next, to the next existence. And I'll, I'll, I'll join you again one day and I love you and I miss you. And I came out of that. That was, those are the first like thoughts that were kind of in English after I hit it. It was like fucking to, total like center of the universe shit. And, uh, I came out of it bawling, and crying. It was like incredibly cathartic. And then the MDMA psilocybin therapy is incredibly, it's catharsis that you can't, get without that stuff it, it, i used to yell at my therapist it's in my body i can't keep talking about this yeah i know the problems i got my dad and my mom yeah yeah this yeah. shit's just in me yeah and ayahuasca dmt and thanks to ayahuasca and dmt mdma now is also ayahuasca and dmt for me mm-hmm. do you know what i mean mm-hmm. it's the same it's an in i was an atheist it's an instant god connection mm-hmm and and I say that with zero embarrassment because we're in LA and you believe in God. Fuck yeah. <laughs> um, 
like and they'll throw eggs at you and stuff it's really hard <laughs> um it's like rude and people don't talk about it um but i've gotten so much f- beautiful shit from mdma it's breathtaking yeah. I, I know i because ne- it used to not work for me mm. i took it and it wouldn't work mm-hmm. now not only does it work i it's changing me mm-hmm. for the better yeah it's an incredible it's an incredible and i'm not doing it with a therapist either like i'm yeah. just doing it I doing it at the club yeah no, I'm, <laughs> I'm doing it at home by myself that's a strip club at a strip club at friends yeah, exactly strip clubs uh, home depot yeah, at the players club um uh but the that i've never really heard anybody else talk about mdma helping them in that way i mean i've heard about it on uh, it's but no un- one i know un- it's a, a unbelievable and there you can look up why like you know you, you, trauma stored in the amygdala yep, yep, and it allows yep. access to the amygdala but like even when I said that to my, the MDMA therapist, and he goes, have you ever seen an amygdala? And I go, no. And he goes, do you know what it looks like? I go, it's almond-shaped gland. And he goes, you got, you're got you always thinking from here up. He goes, I need you in your body. You can't think your way out. You got to feel your way out. And so, you know, this is piggybacking off what you said about, you know, your therapist keeping you kind of like from the, the neck up yeah. thinking the whole time. It's like it, it is all in your organs, all all that pain and trauma. It's all. And I don't even say organs. I, I feel like all like epigenetics and tr- stored trauma and all that stuff. I it is true when it when it's left when it's left epigenetics. Me, I don't know what that is. Epigenetics is well, like you your flew parents, over my head with that. Your parent. It's your dad's stress from Haiti. Your mom, oh, transgenerational trauma, yeah. that yeah. kind of stuff. Yeah, yeah. My experience is like going through IA, DMT, and MDMA. I'm better off afterward, but I didn't feel it. Although I do shake, so maybe that's part of it. I'm like, I do pretty significant shaking. That's pretty wild, but it's not like there it goes. Yeah, <laughs> there's no. Although the other day on MDMA, I was I was like doing this, and I was forgiving people. Yeah, and it was like it was outstanding yeah like outstanding like why are you doing this at a club yeah don't you're throwing it away yeah like do it or or some just do something else at a club like this shit can really help you yeah what were you screaming about on it nothing specific i wasn't like it it wasn't it was it was beyond words you know i wasn't Mm -hmm. like and this is stress about the bully from sixth grade it wasn't (laughs) it wasn't like that yeah it was it was ineffable you know it was uh i think just the stress of the past few years all yeah culminating it was it was like purging but yeah. without the vomit yeah but it felt the same like ah, like like this like yeah. uh like going into labor I, yeah i guess i can't say what that is it feels like but it was like this like like from my perineum upwards this it was purging without vomiting <laughs> it, that's what it felt like it was almost like it was like shitting and coming and vomiting. It was like, yeah, ah, and, and like yawning, every yawning, yawning and crying yeah, and, yawning, and yeah. burping. Yeah. And yeah, yeah, yeah. And your ears popping. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, no, dude, I'm I'm with like MDMA is like, damn. Yeah. Like, fucking damn. Yeah, that's great. Um, and OK, so you you're you fought the uh, the 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 big fights at work you've do you, how much better do you think you are than you were 10 years ago I, overall and i don't before mean like before i started going to therapy i was a mess early 20s my anxiety but i didn't even know how tangled it was and like what 
mental health and physical health and you know you mentioned girlfriends before have wanting a girlfriend girlfriends the, the cw show yeah 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 yeah. a lot of <laughs> lot of not as tracy jokey. ellis ross yeah not as jokey as you think that show they would have long moments of like a minute and a half without a joke i like living single you were a living before. single guy from way back mm-hmm. do you judge yourself for not being married with kids uh sometimes i'll give into that societal pressure and then sometimes i uh, both Sometimes like I'm like, ah, fuck, I wasted my 20s and 30s. I should have settled down. And then sometimes it's the total opposite. I'm like, thank God I didn't settle down in my 20s and 30s. I was not ready. I was completely not ready. I wasn't ready to receive love. And that's actually something I said at the end, end of my, I don't know if it's oversharing, but the end of my MDMA, psilocybin, I was like, I'm, I'm, I'm ready to receive love. What does that I'm mean to you? ready to receive love. I know, I, I know, I, I know, think- I know you're, you're. You had it rough with your dad. Yeah. From your stand-up specials. A lot of uh, I make a lot of that shit up. <laughs> your dad walks in I'll the door. Honest, Still dad, alive, brother. Dad, and I dad, love my son. My dad lives in my guest house. We one have, of my best friends. He's one of my best friends to this day. We have a podcast. It's coming out. It's it's dropping soon. We're with we're with Wondery. That would be so psychotic <laughs> and you I know. Although I at this point I wouldn't nothing would surprise me. <laughs> In show business, like oh yeah, I made that makes sense. Um, do you? So my dad said he loved me for the first time in his life, uh, like a millisecond before he uh, started to completely mentally unravel, and like the next day was hospice, and he was just a zombie. It was the it was maybe one of the last sentences my dad uttered was "I love you," and he never said it. But did it mean? Did it? I don't want to say did he mean it. But did it seem... He, he went, I love you, psych. <laughs> <laughs> Give me that Oxycontin. Uh, uh, <laughs> but, but you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> what, you think it was... Are you asking no, it wasn't no, performative? No, no. Meaning, you know, mm. when people go, I love you. Or like, did oh, no, it no. seem well, like you, he finally understood it? No, I'll tell you how it went down. And it was a feeling. He didn't die in the hospital. We, we went... He, he spent the last year of his life in, in, in bed in the house. He didn't want to die at the hospital. He's like, I don't want to fucking die at the hospital. I want to die at the house. So he was in his like hospital bed in his room. And like he was just always watching the news. My dad was just always like mainline MSNBC. He was just always watching the news. Still, even now. I just, I landed and he was really, he looked like the worst I've ever seen him in his life. I was like, this is the end. Uh, he looked like skeletal, like a Beetlejuice character, like. Tim Burton. It is Jim crazy. Henson, it's crazy what just illness. His, uh, and... Just his bones and skin. Remember that Mr. Show sketch where the they go to the burn victim? Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah. Get on. It's obviously incredibly funny, but like there's something to oh, that. Oh, it was hilarious. I was like, Dad, you still got Can it, brother. Can I film this? Can I make content? <laughs> no, it was. It looked like a Jim Henson creation. Yeah. It, it was like, I was like, oh, no, this is the end. This is the end. I was like, and. I was like, and I looked at a picture of him a year ago when he collapsed and went to the hospital, and he looked like a million bucks with tubes hanging out of him compared to this. Yeah. This was like, it was just like a skeleton man. It yeah. was like whenever you see like footage of like um, a famine in Yemen, yep. Ethiopia, and you're like, fuck, yeah. humanity's yeah. fucked. It was like that. 
So I knew it was the end. So I get in, I fly in, and I was like working all week. I would like work Monday through, it was miserable. I'd work Monday through Friday, then I'd get on a plane, land in in, in Florida and f- on a Friday night and go right to him and like just hang out there all weekend. And then like Sunday night, Monday morning, fly back to work. And it was tough. So I, I'm sitting there and uh, I just got the impetus. I'm like, I'm turning off the fucking TV. Like we never talk. He's very like emotionally repressed and hard to communicate with. I was like, I'm just turning off the TV. I'm like, let's talk. I don't know. It's awkward to just stare at a, my dad and talk. Yeah. And I turned off the TV and he just like looked over to me and he, and he smiled. And he went, and he had no energy. I mean, he's on death's door. He just went, I love you. And I went, what? And he goes, I love you. I never meant to upset you. I love you. And I, I burst into tears. Of course. I burst into tears. And he goes, can you call my nurse? And he was almost like childlike. You know, when people start dying, they like unwind yeah. back into babyhood. And he goes, call my nurse over. I was like, your nurse? I go, I go to his nurse. I was like, hey, come over in the room. And he went to his nurse. He goes, and he started bawling, crying. He goes, why is my son crying? I just told him I loved him. And I was like, I'm crying because I love you too. You've never said it. And, and he was like, I love you. And I was like, I love you. We started like screaming it at each other. And it was primal. I have goosebumps talking about it. I'm like choked up talking about Balling, crying. We're both bawling, crying. His nurse almost starts crying. And then he went. And then like oh, it's the beats. We both calmed down. And he looked over and he goes, oh, my two friends are here. And it was just me and him and his nurse. And I go, what? And he goes, my two friends, my two old friends from Haiti. I haven't seen them for 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 years they're here and i go dad there's no one else in the room with us it's just me and and your nurse and he goes he was like oh fuck he gave me like a oh fuck face he was like fuck and then uh and then he was and then it was just like and then the next day hospice started it was kind of it was kind of like the last conversation i had with him and and then because he was so he couldn't sleep it got to the point where his nurse goes, he spends the entire night screaming because he's in so much pain. He would sleep for like maybe an hour yeah. and then just wake up and be like, ah, ah, all through the night. Ah, your like organs a, are sounds just. Like, sounds like a monologue from the Eric Andre show. <laughs> if I'm honest. <laughs> me right. <laughs> so we were just like, so it's hospice started. And then like, you know, we had little There'd be little tiny, th- you know, moments of lucidity, but not really. So uh, I don't know why. I'm My question. This up. Okay, I, I think I can connect it. You said you were ready to receive love. Ah, yeah. So, so my my MDMA psilocybin session was a lot about that moment, and 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 my therapist, not the MDMA therapist, but my therapist was like, I think that that last conversation with your father healed your heart in ways that you never expected. And would uh, you agree? A hundred and ten percent. It's funny. What's the difference? Meaning, we all assume our dad loved. Well, I didn't assume my dad loved me, but but that I think I'm rare in that regard. What I'm wondering is what it. So you did you just kind of think like ah, it's kind of not a thing that the dudes like him fuck with, like love and yeah. My dad was very aloof and absent throughout my entire childhood. You know what I mean? I felt ignored by my dad for Mm. for um, my entire childhood. So. 
And my parents got divorced kind of out of nowhere when I was 12. I didn't feel like my dad, you know, there's no extremes in nature. So I, I, I knew he loved me. Uh, I just wish he was more present. Mm -hmm. And uh, I wish that uh, he was more present, more active. Not and it's so, hard. Not so you probably, it's hard to, as much as you can intellectually go, yeah, he's aloof, whatever, whatever. I, it's hard not to take his lack of presence personally. Oh, it's 100%. And so 100%. when he finally is like, hey, it it, did it feel like this? that was not personal? When he said, like, I'm sorry I let you down, it wasn't, I like, I really do love you. Yeah. 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 And also what helped was my dad was so, he repressed his emotions so yeah. much. But he was repressive till the fucking end. When he looked like a skeleton, I was like, how you doing, dad? He said, like, I'm fine. I'm great. Everything's fine. Why do you fine. ask? Why do you, yeah, I was like, <laughs> why do you ask? I was like, you're not fine. Yeah. You should be like, I feel like hell. Yeah. I'm incredibly sick and I'm on death's door. But it was like, yeah, everything's fine. That was my dad his whole life. So I was like, damn, even in this extreme state, he's still that repressive yeah. and that that avoidant. Yeah. And then, you know, and then you see family members showing up that you haven't seen in years. So I was like, I always resented my dad for not supporting me going to like into the arts because I went to music college and then I got into comedy and he was always like, go to med school or law school. He's a psychiatrist. And uh, my uncle came in, who I hadn't seen in years, who was a musician, been a musician his whole life. He's in one of the most famous bands in Haiti for like 55 years. And, and my uncle turned to me and he goes, oh, he would say that shit to you? He would say that shit to me all the time. Don't go into music. Don't go into music. Don't go into music. He's like, I don't know. And like, he was like, I could tell he was like, he was still like a little bit like, fuck your dad for telling me that. Because my uncle was the baby brother. He was the baby amongst yeah. uh, seven children. Baby docs. So, <laughs> baby docs. Yes. So uh, I was like, oh, it's not personal. There's a bunch of stuff came out. My friend was like, whose dad died. He goes, the secrets are going to come out, the family secrets. And it's all the same. It's all the same thing. It's all like the thing you didn't like him for, he did it to me. Yeah. Just as And then badly. you're like, oh, why did I take it personal? My dad is a human who is flawed. Yeah. Everybody's parents are a flawed human being yeah. and you're going to, and everybody is going to be a flawed human being to their kids. It's you. But it's I think like, we misunderstand how they're going to be flawed. Cause yeah. you wouldn't think you would think like, uh, if telling your son like to get a good job, it's like fairly typical immigrant, et cetera, et cetera. But then it's like, why did you do it with your brother? Why did it's just, it becomes about the, like a, uh, in some ways like a poverty of spirit in that regard yeah. and not like personal to you. It's just mm -hmm. like, cause he's scared all the time mm -hmm. and he's like putting it on other people. Yeah. And so you felt so few catharsis in life, but that's actually sounds like one. The, yeah. your dad said, I love you yeah. on his deathbed. Yeah. And, and, and bald crying like a child about it. And, and I don't, I don't think I ever saw my dad cry until that moment. Yeah. Even when he got the oh no, I I've heard him cry over the phone when radio, he got he the cancer diagnosis. I, I heard thought him, he won a radio contest. I, <laughs> <laughs> he was, he was on the radio. He was I the heard 14th him on, caller. <laughs> <was> Power ninety six, <laughs> Miami's party station. <laughs> I heard him cry over the phone when he got his cancer diagnosis. I heard him kind of softly weep on the phone when he was telling me like 
I have, the, he had no money at the end. He was really bad with money. And he was like, I got this little life insurance policy. And like, like he was prepping to die. Like I heard him like weeping. But then like, it was not only the first time I, I, I he, he told me he loved me. It was the first time I saw him cry. And it was like, he was bawling crying. It wasn't subtle. So it was a really, it was fucking intense. It was one of the most intense. It sounds like fucking yeah, but, wildly human. Yeah, it was wildly like, human. Why, and he's tiny. He shriveled small. Shriveled like uh, the the crypt keeper from yeah. from tales tales from the crypt. Yeah. That's what he looked like. Yep. Like and the ske- every part of his skeleton you could see yeah. in different body parts. It's it's haunting to see your your one of your family members. In but that, that one of the weirdly most important moments of your life. One of the most important moments of my life. Yeah. Okay, I'm trying to figure out how you get from that to be more willing to accept love. What? How does that inform it? Because you know that you do you, you feel don't think more that's a direct line? I don't know. You you brought them together. You mentioned them together as uh, you feel more willing to accept love. I, I feel more worthy. I think when your father uh, is that aloof in your life, you feel unworthy. I think you feel like um, low self esteem, low self worth. So it like gave me a sense of self-worth that i didn't realize i was lacking and maybe some of it you can't put to words some yeah. of it is ineffable and i might maybe i'm wrong yeah so, i mean well or maybe wait. i'm half right yeah maybe that's part of it maybe just part of it is just like aging and maturing and yeah. and I, I don't know i don't know i guess when i think about you in relationships I see you as like a moving target that I, uh, in my relationships, I'm just like, I'm trying, I'll fall in love or whatever. Where, and then you and I are probably similar in terms of like, we've both been dating and like some work, some don't, short, long, whatever. Um, and then, but maybe now that you feel like that's a space you can occupy comfortably, that it won't be elusive. You won't be elusive. You won't be, I don't think, I, I attachment style is overrated, but but maybe you'll be more willing to take a risk because in the long run, the risk with your dad did work out. Mm-hmm. Like it seemed like it wasn't. Mm-hmm. And then it turns out like, oh, you did love me. And it was like a buzzer beater. It was like a oh. Kobe Bryant three-point shot with zero seconds on the Absolutely. shot clock kind of buzzer, and emotional buzzer beater. Okay, so we talked about the things that made you better you've done every therapy and every, well, not every therapy. you've done every, they all help yeah. and they've all helped and they've helped tremendously. It also is like a routine. You really like when I go on vacation and I drink more and I exercise less and I'm not checking in with therapy, I pay the price when I'm back in the States and I'm exercising more and I'm in therapy more often. It's like therapy and exercise have now become non-negotiable. Yeah. They're non-negotiable. Yeah, they are the priority over any meeting, over any vacation, over anything I I work on. My brother Kevin does he he runs and rides bike, and he calls it running the Brennan out of him, <laughs> which is <laughs> like you feel. have like a that's you, I feel. like just yeah, I, I I have all this shit in me. Yeah. I can I have to burn it off. Yes. There's no what I can't 100%. think my way out of it. I have to just dump it. Yeah, 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 um, yeah. Uh, you well, I'm glad that moving. you know that about yourself and then uh-huh. you notice it and like will hopefully make it as make a concerted 
like baked in your day as meditation and all that stuff. Yeah, it's not negotiable. Yeah, good. It's just that's uh, what, what is it's... your dream for yourself to bring the volume of the general anxiety from here to here. I think there are healthy parts about anxiety. When I'm nervous before a stand-up gig, I, I do love that you I said do that. Great. Yeah. When I'm not nervous and kind of blase, I phone it in and I I bomb or do mediocre. It's like a C minus to an F set. When I'm like actually like last night I had a show and I was very nervous. I was nervous last night before I went on on stage. Um, like like I was 10 years ago. I was like, "Wow, I haven't been this nervous before a show in a while." And the show was fucking great. Did it you prep? So Did you prepare? I prepared. <laughs> I prepared that's yeah. the i like you said that because there is a lot there is and it's another question i keep forgetting to ask which is like what's the upside of all these of all this downside you know what i mean anxiety like, is healthy and it actually i think like my creativity comes from my obsessive compulsive thought patterns and anxiety i don't think i but i think turning the volume down on them doesn't mean eliminating them eliminating them is like a xanax i can't walk around yeah. on like doing xanax every day for, for life for living life you have to you have to give a fuck i just want to take the volume down a little bit so it's in that sweet spot where i get to keep the the pro productivity you get to keep the productive parts of the anxiety and eliminate the the counterproductive and destructive parts of the anxiety totally agree because because uh the destructive and counter counterproductive parts are like they're just exhausting it, yeah, it, it like wears me down in a way that I don't need to be worn down. So I just want to turn down the volume a little bit, and it, and it will help me in all aspects of my life. And that's your greatest goal for yourself, outside of like career just goals. Any I, career? I, you're talking about like career goal stuff, or what love is your ideal what? state? Like, who do you think you can be? And I don't mean what like for sure. I mean like who do you? How do you want to feel? Uh, yeah, like I just said, just yeah. turning the volume down at ever so slightly, so that like. I can go to bed at night. But still high enough that you can get ideas and get driven. Yeah. Yeah. Great. Yeah. You still have to give a fuck. You can't tranquilize yourself. You still have to give a fuck. And the anxiety helps you give a fuck. And like doing a show. It's like when I'm anxious before a show, it's I give a fuck. Yep. I want the joke to work. When yep. I'm nervous about a joke, it works better. Once I go, yeah, fuck yeah, that joke's now a killer. Done. <laughs> It just expires. I look at the fucking tartar sauce. It's got mold on top of it. I'm like, wait, this, it was perfect. What, what happened? Here. And I was like, oh, I was worried about making it work before. And that's it. The audience can feel that. Yep. They have a hive mind. They can yes. feel like, oh, shit, he's on the tightrope. Is he going to make it? Ah, oh, he made it. Yes. When, when you're like, yeah, check this out. They're like, yeah. fuck you. Yep. So. I always say somewhere between purpose and a heart attack. <laughs> is where i'm trying to land uh -huh. like i don't i want i don't want to just be like well whatever yeah but i don't want to be full of garbage and bad chemicals yeah, yeah, yeah. eric andre uh great episode thank you is and this what gonna you get wanted? a lot it's of a nice little bit you know it's mumbly uh, no. mumblecore and then no. heavy no well, well Did, should i have fucking hammed it up we'll a little bit <laughs> we'll throw some cartoon sound effects over it <laughs> we're gonna put a filter over you <laughs> We're going to throw the AI machine at it. I would blur my face, too. I'm not going to sign the release. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> um, all right, buddy. Great to see you. Yes, so good to see you, too. Fun. Thanks, man. My man. Yeah.